Hello, and welcome to a special series of our podcast, Make It Clear, entitled, How Does It Work? In this series, Sean and I have invited a special guest to help us explain the basics of wastewater systems, how they work, how they affect you, and how they affect the environment. Join us as we explore the question, how does it work? Welcome to part four of How Does It Work? Hello, and thanks for joining us again. Today, we're going to talk about drain fields, how they function, what they do, how they're designed a little bit. Jeff Ball is here with us again. Hey, Jeff. Good morning or afternoon or evening, afternoon. wherever you are. It's about 1.30 our time today. And Sean is here as well, making sure that we stay in line and on task. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's me. All right. Well, let's kick it off. Jeff, do you want to go ahead and describe what exactly a drain field is and what the basic functions of a drain field are? So a drain field is part of the treatment system in an on-site system. And in most on-site systems, you have a septic tank that does a lot of the digestion or treatment of the wastewater from the home. And then the effluent or the liquids come out of that tank and drain or are pumped to a soil-based treatment system. It's called a drain field. And without getting into details yet of how that effluent gets out into the drain field, the the water from the septic tank will accumul accumulate in the bottom of the drain field, typically a, a trench. And then a thin layer of uh, fine solids and dead bacteria. And soil bacteria will form on the interface between the bottom of the trench and the soil, and that, that uh, layer is called a biomat. And it forms naturally, and it sufficiently restricts the flow of water into the soil below so that you don't ever have, or theoretically, you don't have any saturated soil below the trench. And that unsaturated soil is where the pathogens or the nasty bugs in the, that might still be in, in the, that mm -hmm. effluent. It's where they live, and that oxygen will destroy the pathogens. So, so it's a it's a living system, and obviously we we try to take advantage of the oxygen that's in the soil. So it's it's relatively important that the drain mm -hmm. field be as close, or the bottom of the drain, tr trench in the drain field be as close to the surface as reasonably possible. But most jurisdictions require that that trench be oh at least eighteen inches deep. I think most jurisdictions require like two foot minimum. But it depends mm -hmm. on where you are in the in the country. I think in northern states, you tend to see deeper trenches to yeah. avoid the cold weather that they often face. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the most common types of drain field. Okay. Well, I guess you you can generally look at drain fields as pressurized and non-pressurized. And w when I say pressurized, it, it means that there's pipes running down the trench that are occasionally pressurized over the course of the day. And it, it totally depends on the local regulations on how often a pump would kick on that's in the septic tank to pressurize those lines. 
But actually, the most common type of drain field is the non-pressurized, where mm -hmm. the effluent drains from the septic tank, typically through a, a four-inch diameter pipe, to the drain field. And the drain field then has typically four-inch diameter pipes running down each trench. And the, those pipes have perforations, maybe half-inch holes every mm -hmm. foot or foot and a half. And so that, that's where the effluent drains into the trench. And then, and then there's on the occasion where the drain field is higher in elevation than, than the septic tank and you can't take advantage of gravity to cause the flow to go down to the drain field, then we'll put a pump in the tank. And the pump will normally pump to what's called a, a D-box or a distribution box. Right. And those things were designed with the intent of, of causing equal distribution to each lateral in the drain field or each pipe that goes down into the drain field. But the reality is that those distribution boxes don't. It's probably a one in a million shot when you get equal distribution out of an equal distribution box. <laughs> most, mm -hmm. most of the time, most of the flow goes to one, one pipe. Yeah. And then, so as you can imagine, that, that one pipe is getting perhaps all the flow from the home. Fortunately, in most jurisdictions, these drain fields are way, way, way over-designed. And I imagine for that very reason, because we don't have very strict controls on how effluent is introduced into drain fields, we have to way over-design those things. So there's also, in gravity systems, there's serial distribution designs where instead of a, a distribution box, the effluent will drain into a drop box or a D-box, another D-box, I guess, where the effluent will drain into the, the trench that's high. The, the trenches in the drain field in a serial distribution design would, would be at, at different elevations. And so the effluent will drain down to the first D-box and then effluent would drain into that trench. And when that trench got filled up, it would then fill up the first drop box and and then drain down to the next drop box. So that's a, that's a relatively common design that we see. And as you can imagine, the highest most line might will likely plug up first, or mm -hmm. as we might say, fail first. So right. ultimately, that type of design, in fact, probably all types of designs are, are probably doomed to fail, unless they just don't get it anywhere near the the flow that is typical. So what happens when a drain field fails? Well, usually what happens is it, they, they plug up. And, that, you know, I, th I think most failures that I've seen have been a result of abuse or excess flow. Right. If you're pouring stuff down the, the, the drain that causes upset in the septic tank, so you don't get adequate settling in the tank, for example, mm -hmm. you'll get solids carrying over in the drain field. And that'll plug up the the soil, just like too much flow will, if you run too much flow through your septic tank, again, you don't get adequate settling. Solids will make their way into the drain field. So most drain fields, you, you know, they're typically sized based on the number of bedrooms in the home. It varies around the country, but that's, I think, most typical. So if, if they're sized for, say, 150 gallons per bedroom, a three-bedroom home would put out theoretically 450 gallons a day. If you Leave your toilet tank 
if it was leaking, for example, you could easily put in a thousand or two thousand gallons a day mm-hmm. through your system. If you don't right. fix it, yeah, ultimately you're you're just basically running all those solids in your drain field. It'll cause a failure. So, mm-hmm. so what happens when that all that soil gets plugged up? Well, the effluent starts surfacing out in the yard, and it causes a, a stinky mess and a mud bog out there. So the the only way that I've seen to really repair it is to to build a new drain field. And most right. jurisdictions require that when you design a system, you have a, a like a location set aside for a replacement drain field, a replacement drain field area. Yeah, a reserve so, area or something, yeah. Yeah, reserve area is a common term I hear too. I have heard of people, this is just totally anecdotal, I've heard people putting in aerated effluent into the mm-hmm. drain field and recovering drain fields so that they start working again. But again, I don't think there's, well, there may be some research out there that supports something like that, mm-hmm. but I can't point you to it. Most regulations don't though, right? Right, right. So what about maintenance and maintaining drain fields? What do you need to do? So a gravity drain field is like it's, it's you, not much maintenance you can do really. <laughs> it's pretty simple. <laughs> yeah. I would say maintain your system. Pump your mm-hmm. your tank when the solids have accumulated to the point that the tank needs to be pumped. Mm-hmm. But as far as your drain field, it's you know they're typically buried, mm-hmm. and you don't have access to them. Right. On the other hand, a pressurized drain field often will have an ability to run, a, say, a bottle brush down the, the pressurized lines, and you can unplug if you have plugged up orifices in the in that pressurized line. The, the pressurized lines are mm-hmm. most typically, say, one to two inches diameter. I think inch and a quarter, inch and a half is the most common size that I, so I see. So a lot of service providers in states where uh, pressurized systems are common will use that technique to, to prolong the life of the drain field. Mm-hmm. If, the, if those Orifices in the pressurized line get get plugged up. As you can imagine, at some point, all the effluent is is going through a few orifices. So you're over overloading that part of the drain field, and it, it will plug up the orifice inter, or excuse me, the soil inter, interface in that part of the trench, and eventually cause failure throughout the entire trench. Right. The best way to save your drain field is to follow the practices that we've talked about in previous podcasts. Absolutely. Yep. Be careful what you're putting in your. Yep. Take care of your system. Take care of the whole system, regardless. But if you have a drain field, especially, take care of your system to save yourself the headache, right? Absolutely. All right. You can replace a drain field. Yeah. Unfortunately, that that happens often. Uh, Folks will find that their drain field, sometimes not that old of a drain field, they'll find it, Mm it plugging up. In most cases, they do have replacement areas set aside. In places mm-hmm. where they don't, it can be a real a real pickle that a person gets mm-hmm. into to, to figure out how to resolve a problem like that. Yeah. It is usually damage that causes you to replace it. Typically, they don't just fail. Yep. There's been yep. Yep. something upstream or in the drain field that's caused it to happen. Yep. Yep. It's, uh, it's either abuse, in, improper installation. Or mm-hmm. on the occasion, for example, like a, a tractor will run over the, <laughs> the train field lines. That, that actually yeah. happened 
to a neighbor of mine recently, and mm-hmm. they it was already pretty wet out there, but they really mucked things up by running a big tractor over the the drain field. Yep. One other thing probably to mention is if you're buying a piece of property that has a septic system, like a new home or something, it's probably pretty important to find out what kind of a drain field you have and where it's located. Yes. Mm-hmm. You don't want to plant large, a large tree over your drain field. Mm-hmm. Or get that backhoe out there and start digging up a place yep. to where you're landscaping and find out you're digging up your drain field. So Yeah. Yeah. That is a mess to, to <laughs> run into. Yes, nobody wants that. (laughs) Nobody wants that. All right. Is there anything else you want to share about drain fields, Jeff? Oh, you know, we didn't talk about chambers. Uh, Chambers, I I would Mm. say that in a lot of states, the most common method of of constructing a drain field is using a chamber. For going back decades, the common construction technology was to put in a four-inch perforated pipe and then cover that with coarse gravel, and then cover that with the top native topsoil. Again, everything's buried. But within the past, gosh, three decades, it's been very commonplace to use plastic chambers. There's arguments one b- both ways, what, you know, what's really better way to, to construct a drain field. I, I don't have any bias either way. I think it's what's most cost, cost effective is what should be done. In this case, but a chamber is a, they're plastic, for lack lack of a better word, they're like a plastic shell mm-hmm. that's the width of the, of the trench and they come in usually in like six or eight foot lengths and they connect together inside the trench and, the, and they're then covered by the native topsoil. And so that you can see, you can imagine they would, in some cases, cost a lot less than a a gravel trench and obviously construction wouldn't right. require you hauling in all that gravel. So that mm-hmm. very common thing to see now is, is chambers for these drain field trenches. Yep. Yeah. I think one of the advantages to that though is that oftentimes they'll put in an observation port so that you can look and see and make sure that your biomat actually is a healthy biomat and not Yeah, and you can look in there and see if there's ponding, for example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you see that the the trench isn't draining then you may have a problem in there. Yeah. And catch it early, as early as possible. Absolutely. All right. Anything else you want to share? Mm, you know, we didn't talk about mounds. And mounds are very common in the Midwest. Oh, yeah. Not so much here on the West Coast, but in a place where there's high groundwater, for example, or a restrictive layer at a shallow depth, uh, one way to raise the bottom of that trench is to, is to pile a bunch of dirt on top of the ground and then dig your trenches in that. Or put in your pressurized laterals in, inside that mound of dirt, and so it's not uncommon in some parts of the country to find every home with a, a great big mound in their front or backyard, and they, and they 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 can be a little bit obnoxious. I think sometimes mm-hmm. yeah. they can be really big. <laughs> uh, you know, I've seen them for a single family home, like fifty yeah. by fifty feet or bigger, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and they they. Not uncommon to see them like mound of, mound of dirt that's like four feet tall, occupying a large part of the property. Yeah, it's definitely a solution, but maybe not the most optimal. Yeah, they use mounds in Florida a yeah. lot. I've yeah. seen a lot of them on the East Coast. So, mm-hmm. okay, third time's a charm. <laughs> <laughs> 
there anything else? else. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for coming in and talking to us about all these topics, Jeff. Really appreciate you. My pleasure. Sean, Sean, thanks for being here and just always, always keeping us in line. You're very welcome. All right. Have a great day, everyone. We want to thank you again for joining us today. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe where you listen to podcasts so you're notified when new episodes are posted. Also, you can leave your comments or suggestions through the contact link on our website, www.arenco.com. Until next time, have a great day.